0: I'm sitting in my dentist's office, and he says, Maria, your gums are receding at a normal rate. Everything is fine. My gums are receding? What? My gums are receding? I almost get into a car accident driving home because I cannot tear myself away from the rearview mirror. I'm lifting up my lip and looking at my receding gums, and I'm freaking out, and I think, wow, not only are my gums receding, but I'm 33.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter, a weekly podcast on the art and craft of the personal narrative story. Each week, my partner Kurt and I will tackle one question and answer it as best we can to help you craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories, personal stories, grit stories. Our feature storyteller this week is Maria Costas. Maria lives in Chicago, Illinois, and she has got an eight-minute story. And when Maria's done, Kurt and I will tackle this week's question. Do we really need conflict in a story? Then you'll hear one last word from Maria, who's got something to say about conflict as well. A quick favor. If you like this podcast, if you're learning from this podcast, help us out by letting people know about it. You can subscribe on the podcast platform that you use. And if you're on Apple, rating and reviewing it also really helps. It lets other people more easily find this podcast. Thank you once again for listening. Let's dive in.
0: I am flipping through the pages of the AARP magazine If you are under 50 and you don't know what this is, don't worry, they'll find you. It's the usual articles. Aging celebrity baby boomers. Yes, I'm a boomer. Articles about senior discounts, senior retirement homes, senior travel deals. I glance at the liver spot on my hand. Yes, at 65, I am now a senior. And there's active senior retirement homes, too. Well, I'm active. And then I see it in bold letters. Wait a minute. Is this one me? This one seems so negative. People with no significant other, no children, no grandchildren. These people are solo agers. Solo ager. Solo ager. I throw the magazine on the floor and flush the toilet and start to pace. It's not sitting right with me. It doesn't sit right. Solo ager. It all, it all happens so fast. How did I get here? Was I even conscious most of the time? And then I remember. I never thought about age when I was younger. I didn't have the traditional passages of aging. I didn't have a sweet 16 party. I didn't have a cotillion coming out to society party. At 14, I was self-medicating, so when I was legally able to drink, that was no big deal. I really never thought about age until that day in 1988. I'm sitting in my dentist's office, and he says, Maria, your gums are receding at a normal rate. Everything is fine. My my gums are receding? What? My gums are receding? I almost get into a car accident driving home because I cannot tear myself away from the rearview mirror. I'm lifting up my lip and looking at my receding gums, and all of a sudden, I really know what the phrase long in the tooth means, and I'm freaking out. And I think... Wow, not only are my gums receding, but I'm 33, and my my clock is ticking, too. I always thought I would have a baby by now, but I don't. Do I want a child? I'm kind of childlike myself, but, but receding gums and ticking clock, I feel an urgency to do something right now, so I go home and I call Preacher. Preacher, one of the people I traveled around the country with when I was younger, Preacher who is 18 years older than me. He was a mentor, a good friend, and attractive. And when I said, yes, I will sleep with you, but I'll never bring you home to my parents, he said, you're crazy, lady, but I wouldn't pass this chance up. And so we had a passionate love affair on the road, and we stayed friends. He answers the phone on the first ring. Listen, If I drive down to Florida to you, will you sleep with me so I can have a baby? I mean, so we can bake a baby? I mean, so we can have a baby? I know we can make this happen. Will your girlfriend go for it? Can you explain us to her and how I'm I'm no threat? What do you think? Can we do this? Our breaths synchronize over the phone, and he said, I'd be honored. (laughs) Great. Now I just have to convince my current lover, Mary. Of course I still love him, I say to her. I don't think love dies. It just transforms, doesn't it? It it changes. Of course I love him, but he's no threat to us. After hours of talking and arguing and talking, she says yes. Fueled with coffee, I'm driving to Florida alone, plenty of time to think, and I'm thinking of him. I do love him. Of course it must be him. I mean, who else would it be? we weren't meant to be together before. I made the right choices. I was 21 with so much to do. He was 39. And I'm not a sperm bank petri dish girl. I'm not a turkey baster girl. It's got to be divine. It's got to be conceived with love or forget about it. When did I see him last? God, it's been five years already. I remember he told my friends his favorite memory of being on the road with me was when we took an afternoon off work, dropped a hit of acid, went to a motel, and stayed in the shower for six hours. Six hours tripping on acid in the shower. We lived lifetimes in that shower. We traded roles. We traded stories. We flew to different planets. It was magical, mystical. It was steamy so much steam the wallpaper peeled off the bathroom walls of the motel we had to pay extra money i find his house in ocala florida and drive right up to the front door and knock the door opens and he grabs me and we hug and fall to the floor laughing and wrestling like brothers his girlfriend watching us as if we are crazy he says come on lady let's go for a walk on the beach He spots a shark tooth and gives it to me. We sit at the water's edge and talk and touch, and it's still electric. We take sticks and draw pictures in the sand. He draws a picture of me, and he tells me he wants to know me until every hair on my head turns silver. He draws a circle, and he says he wants to be a part of this, a part of my life, the baby's life. Then he asks what are my Greek parents going to think about all of this? And what about my lover, Mary? Does she really go for this? Do I really want to be a gay couple with a baby? Do I really even want to be a mother for the rest of my life, a mother? I listen and I think, I hadn't really thought about all of that. I just wanted to hear yes, to know that I had a choice. I've always been impulsive, reactive. He knows this about me. His yes is solid, but me—he <laughs> reminds me that just two years ago I called him to say Mary wanted to buy furniture together—a bedroom set, an expensive couch. It felt like such a commitment to me, like, like it would be a loss of freedom. And he had made me laugh, saying I could always saw the couch in two and leave with my half. My heart is beating like a ticking clock. My hand is squeezing wet sand. Waves of feelings wash over both of us. Waves of water wash over our feet. Waves of emotion move through my body and I feel powerful and yet I cry. He wipes a tear away and gives me a gentle kiss. And then I watch waves wash all of the pictures away. The wet sand falls from my hand. I take a deep breath. And relax. It's not for me, motherhood. Not this lifetime. And the divine? The divine is with me, on the road, going home. I think having a child is no defense against receding gums anyway. <laughs> I laugh to myself, Let my clock tick. I'm at peace with my decision. I really don't have to be a mother. I look at myself in the mirror, feeling rather good with all of these memories. It was a very conscious decision that I made all those years ago. I pick the AARP magazine up off of the bathroom floor. (laughs) Well, where else would I have been reading the magazine, not curled up on my favorite chair with a pot of tea? I look at the label again. Solo ager. It doesn't seem negative anymore. I'm really okay with it. Solo ager. Yes.
1: Our feature storyteller, Maria Costas. Thank you, Maria. Next up, Kurt and I tackle this question. Do we really need conflict in a story? Stick around after Kurt and I are done. Maria has something to say about conflict as well. Let's dive in. Man, I am getting close to receiving that magazine subscription or magazine. I don't know if it's a subscription. I'm getting pretty close to that age, which by the way, I don't actually have words for that. Not like, oh, it sucks. Not that kind of word. Shock, astounding. I can't possibly be that person. I, there's just no way that I was ever going to be that age. That's all I'm saying. There was a lot of good things about that story. And we'll talk about a couple of the components.
2: That day when your free copy of AARP comes through your mail slot or in your mailbox and it comes yeah. to my mailbox the next day or the day before. I'm stating the obvious, but it's the only quote unquote gift that you get that sort of leaves you with a bad feeling in your stomach. And isn't it kind of surprising because we all get it eventually. Maria's story about AARP in the conflict that it caused in her is the first one I've heard of all the stories I've heard told. And by people her age as well. Like I haven't heard this one about AARP. So here's someone who's like, you know what? I don't like this magazine. It goes in the bathroom. I'm not going to sit out in my nice living room and and read it. And you know what? I don't like this tag it's tagging me with. This is kind of negative. I don't like reading this. And she throws it down on the ground. But that's a conflict, right? But how many people can relate to it? It's really awesome that she picked that up and said, okay. I'm gonna tell a story about this. And it starts with a conflict that it caused her in like in her
1: chest. At the heart of a story is conflict, right? So that's what she's doing. And she does it early on. It's interesting because there's a lot of people who know it because they get that magazine. And there's a whole lot of people who know that they will be getting that magazine. You know that shit's coming. Maybe it took you a little longer for me. Maybe I was over 40 when I'm like, huh, I am not young.
2: We're the same age. So I'm, I can laugh,
1: right? I'm not young. Like, I, <laughs> when did that happen? And it sounds so silly. If someone's hearing this that's 22, that's not landing on them. I know it's not. Maybe if you're 38 or you're 36 or you're 44, that lands. When is it that you realize you're not young? It's such a weird thing. That's so anyway, so, it's yeah. so cool
2: that you asked that, Chum, because I, you know there's a, definitely a part of the story that's asking that very same question. I think like a minute in, she's like, how did I get here? And that's what drives the story. Like, yeah. How did I get here? Well, I was at the dentist, and he tells me this about my teeth, my gums, right. eating. and then I'm in my car, and I'm practically getting an accent because I can't help. Uh, suddenly, my gums are incredibly interesting to me.
1: Kurt, it wasn't that long ago I was looking in the mirror, as cliche as it sounds, and I actually saw a long hair sticking out of my ear.
2: It just happened?
1: Well, I didn't notice it before. Well, you're blessed, a-
2: man. Oh, you should frame it. I think it's just the one. Wonder- no, should put it in a it, locket.
1: Fuck, fuck you! I'm not framing shit. <laughs> In one of the go- because it is the moment I connect to, like what Maria. It sounds like she was dealing with where it. It's a physical thing which has its own sort of power because we're aging and it hits you. And we all know what's happening when Maria says, "How did I get here?" It's not as if she, I don't know, was uh, high and ended up in the mountain somewhere. This is somewhere that we all absolutely know. One hundred percent, we're going. It might be the only thing for sure. But yet when we get there, we're like, how did I get here? That is so universal, by the way, because every human being has got to go through that.
2: It doesn't even have to be about aging. I cannot shake right now the image in my head of one of my close friends explaining to me when he was about 10 years old that he was in front of the bathroom mirror and he just yells to his mother and he says, mom, mom, why didn't you tell me I'm fat? Like it just happens. Grad- some of this stuff just in ha- life just happens gradually. The long hair growing out of some place it shouldn't be growing. I was joking about that because I was 27 using the bathroom at a gas station on a long walk when I was like, what the hell? is It sent chills down my spine. It's hard to get old. And, and the idea that you could have just been getting a cup of coffee and someone was noticing that about you and you weren't able to see it, even though it was its
1: like that's human,
2: you know, and that's Maria. She's like this friggin' magazine.
1: So in her story right away, it's hard to get old. I don't think I'm OK with it. So when she receives that AARP, which I will and you will in the not too distant future. And for me, I will be doing it in the similar shoes in that I will be getting this magazine, which is astounding. It can't actually be true. And then I will be alone. What she's choosing to write about or craft and then how she crafts it speaks to me. Okay, I'm interested in hearing more.
2: In the story when she goes, when she's looking at it and she's like, okay, there's here's uh, an ad or promotion for like a senior home. And this is something directed at senior citizens. And I'm senior and I'm active. Yeah, okay. But this term, I haven't seen this one before. Yeah. This solo ager seems really negative to me at that point. Doesn't she kind of have us? And there's a reason, like she's like, she has us.
1: That's enough for me to be like, okay, we occupy some of the same space in the world. You have been where I'm going. You're approaching it in a way that I connect to. So if it was, ah, but it's no big deal, the platitudes that so many people say, I would probably not listen. And if it was a heavy handedness, which is telling me how to feel about this thing that I'm going through, I probably wouldn't listen. All it is is Maria, her very real and honest experience of something. In part, I'm drawn to it because I have some things in common. I wonder, let me ask you, you have that in common in that you'll you'll be getting that magazine. You don't have in common that you're not a solo ager. So does it also resonate for you? Do you need to be a solo ager to want to listen to more?
2: There's always the idea that Your partner might die before you, or there's this other idea. It's that you might lose your faculty to care for your partner when it's needed. So I completely relate to this because yeah, Amy and I, we don't have kids. We talk often about like, what are we going to do when we get to be that age? And we point with our chins to someone who's 86 and not remembering a lot. It's scary. We talk about this a lot actually. And so as soon as I started talking to Maria about her story, I was I was really appreciative at how honest she was about this issue that she was having.
1: I didn't even think about you or Amy thinking about losing each other. It didn't connect with me that, oh, wait, they're probably not dying at the same moment. That's a truth for them as well in a very different way than my experience in the world. But nonetheless,
2: there was this intention to get rid of some stuff or to organize all our the stuff that you accumulate. And my wife's literally throwing out stuff that people would say, hey, those are memories. But she's like, who would I be saving these for? We don't have kids. So what Maria is talking about is it's about getting older and not, and, and maybe being dying alone. It's also this bottomlessness of, you know, there isn't this person who uh, depends on me and who may come around in a few years' time and make sure that I'm taken care of now, too. And mm-hmm. that's scary stuff. Sean... My life and your life may be different, but because we're human and I'm bringing this up because of storytelling, we definitely look in and it may look a little different, but that chasm is just as deep, you know, when you get down to it, when you listen to like a Maria, I could be sitting next to you at a storytelling show and we have totally different images going on in our minds and our the mirror neurony stuff that goes on in your mind when you listen to someone else's story and it's clicking with you. But the fact is, we get to the same, we may get to the same point. We might have an interesting conversation after, at the very least.
1: Mm -hmm. I do wonder how it resonates with people who are, uh, let's just say, 28 years old and happily married. I wonder, I, I think for sure it can connect. It may be a little bit of a different thing for them. Last week, we talked about change, crucial, vital in a story. There aren't that many things that are vital. There aren't that many things that are absolutely needed in a story for it to be a story and for it to arguably be a compelling story. And we brought up Maria and how she is using conflict in this story. Can we pull back for a second? What is it? Because you hear it a lot, right? Conflict. Maybe there are other words people use, but let's use that one today. Yeah. And it's not just personal narrative storytelling. You know, you have a background in writing. That is something you need.
2: There's this theory that all storytelling all fiction novels movies they're attractive to us as humans because they're all organized around our problems and so when we hear somebody or watch a movie or read a book it's not ordinary stuff successful books are about are problematic they're organized around problems Someone's got a bad disease. Someone is getting their heart broken. Someone can't find their child at the grocery store. And we're riveted. There's another theory. And I do want to say where this is coming from, because I'm not hoarding information. And to anybody out there who's looking to get another book that's really great and talks about narrative theory and how stories work, I mentioned in the last podcast, too, it's called The Storytelling Animal. Mm -hmm. by Jonathan Gottschall. And I'm loving it. One theory that he puts forth in this book is we are drawn to live storytelling or books and movies and whatnot, because, well, we get to get close to these central conflicts that happen in our lifetimes, but we don't have to suffer for them. Mm -hmm. We can have these experiences and it's almost like practice. Yes, I'm talking about practice.
1: So that <laughs> we're when talking we, about, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Talk <laughs> about practice?
2: Yes. I thought you were talking about the game. I know. But uh, no, but eventually the game, <laughs> there is a game, you know, and, and we. Can
1: you, uh, anyone out there, please message us or email us if you know what we're talking about. Talk
2: about <laughs> practice. Email?
1: Hello at storygrit.com or you can message us on the Facebook page, Grit True Stories That Matter. You talk about practice,
2: <laughs> So that's the idea. It's almost like a flight simulator. Is, is the analogy or the, the metaphor that he's using there. We get to simulate this really dangerous territory without having to risk our lives doing it or mortification or heartache or whatever. We're like, we need to stare at it. We need to beget with it. I mean, I think that's what you're saying when recognizing what's on fire and at the very beginning of Maria's story and just yep. keep growing, right?
1: You're going to get us rather quickly if you do that the way she did it. There's different kinds of conflict, but they all are called conflict, that one word for a reason. They're all essentially, whatever we want, we can't necessarily have right now. And we've Mm -hmm. got to fight to get it or struggle to get it. And when you have conflict, you then have tension, which every good story needs. And here's the kicker. When you have conflict, you have tension. And when you have tension, you can have change. If you don't have conflict, how do you have change?
2: Yeah. And if you don't have any conflict slash tension, you don't have any kind of story, right? right?
1: Unless you're French. Kurt, let me ask you a question. Didn't you go through a phase where you said, why can't this book or this short story or this thing I'm putting together just be a slice of life that you don't need? Wow. Did you go through that phase? Yeah, I paid for it too. I wasted a lot of time. Hey, I don't need to do it your way. Not every story has to be the same And I think life is fascinating. And I'm writing a story about people going for a walk in the woods, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'll be descriptive and they're in love Mm. and it's fine. And yeah, um, maybe a few people can pull that off, but most can't, right?
2: I don't think a lot of people are pulling that off uh, for a large audience. That's a great point, Sean. I love that you bring that up too. Because I have a sense that, you know, you had a sense that maybe I had fallen for it. I think there's just a lot of people, unfortunately who fall into that abyss of like, oh yeah, I learned in school. It's about details. And plot, God, isn't it annoying? Like, I'm not (laughs) going to be that way. I'm just repeating what you're saying. But part of what I think you and I want to do is save people time. You know, you bringing that up could be one of those big time savers. And we're talking about for years.
1: Years. Try it this way. You'll probably see that it's effective. And then if you want to buck the system a little bit, once you have a handle on it, that's cool. But first get a handle on it. First try this. It's not an accident that so many people who are good at this, whether they're filmmakers, fiction writers, storytellers, they all agree. That's not an accident. That's all.
2: Yeah. There's you know, the way that you look at the purpose of story, you're creating something for not not just for you, presumably. And so you have to ask like, okay, what would someone who doesn't know me, who's not related to me, Mm. get from me relating this experience and taking all the time it takes to actually give it some shape. One really elemental function of story is that line of tension that one wants to follow. Mm. Here I go, seven minutes. Let's hope it's good. Maria, what do you have for me? Well, from the get go. I see an identifiable object. It's that magazine that I'm going to end up getting, you're going to get. But she never lets go. She never lets up on the tension because, and then she says, how did I get here? Follow that. Where do we go from there? Into an old love affair or into uh, moving my feet really quickly and seeing if maybe I can create a family despite the obstacles. Mm -hmm. And then getting to that opportunity and being like, and Maria is honest enough to sort of end the tension there and say, you know what? This is what happened. And this is why it's part of who I am. And then we have end of story. She lands it really well in, in a believable way. She's given enough, enough of herself for us all to realize that we know Maria a little bit better. And we also know that um, she's not faking it. I can, I can vouch for that. I worked with she's her on good the faker.
1: story. She's, she's, she's very good faker. If she is faking it, I'll tell you that.
2: I felt like I was transported. And I think that's sort of the goal.
1: The main conflict of this story is not. That she can't have a kid. She wants a kid and she can't have a kid, right? It's more, am I going to die alone? Definitely. So when she comes to peace with it, whatever that looked like, and that may not be the best way to, to frame it or phrase it, on the beach, there's actually more because we don't yet know that she's coming to peace with that magazine in front of her. I like the way she comes full circle, which is a nice way sometimes to craft a story. And she comes back to that magazine. And there seems to be something where there's some movement, a little shift.
0: I'm okay with I'm
1: I'm a solo ager. And is she thrilled about it? I don't think so. But is there a little movement? Yeah, enough, right?
2: Sean, like she's on the beach with Preacher. There's a good chemistry going on. They're touching each other. They're drawing pictures in the sand. I'm like, this is gonna happen.
1: But we were both thinking the next scene that we were gonna hear about is that they were in bed, right?
2: Yeah. But what she comes up with, I feel like when life is flying by like this, this is actually how it goes down. Like she's like, okay, uh, this could happen. What am I talking about? Like, what do I wind up with? And then she says, have a child. I'm pretty much a child. Still I'm impulsive as shit. Look at me. I didn't even think this all the way through. And here I am on in Florida. I've disturbed a couple of people's lives to be here on the beach with this guy preacher. If this is all lined up to work, but do I really want to be a parent of a child as, as, as a gay couple? Do I want to be And I, and I love that. She kept that in there, you know, because it's not in vogue right now and it's not quote unquote necessarily politically correct. To trust that people are going to accept that maybe being a gay couple is going to come up with some difficulties. Today, it's more about if you're 26 and you're a gay couple, it's more about shouting that stuff down. But you're asking about like what dawns on her, right? And she decides that she is a a child herself. What is she doing talking about having a child? And then she's a member of she and Mary, they're a gay couple and they're going to be faced with all these problems as parents to a child, the gay parents to a child. That is her realization. She's like, okay, this can still be divine. I'm divine. I can have a child in another lifetime. That suffices for her, but it's believable to me. Okay, but I also wanna just step aside from this part of our conversation, aside from conflict. I just wanna point out something that Maria does here that just shows that she is a brave storyteller Mm -hmm. because the woman is 65 years old, a very, 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 very young 65 years old. Uh, But she is talking about, having an apprehension about being part of a gay couple having a child that doesn't really go on today out in public if you're 27 years old and you're a couple of women looking to have children you forge on and you say no that's old old person thinking and you shout people down who disagree with you sometimes it's painful to watch i don't get on twitter but I have the sense uh, secondhand that that it's a poisonous place and unpopular beliefs are mm-hmm. shouted down in such fashion. Now I'm going off on a tangent. But I love that Maria just says, look, she's just implicitly saying, this is my experience, that two women having a child. And she's talking about, I think, the 1980s. It's problematic. I'm not going to be able to erase that. That is my experience of it. It causes me second thoughts. Look, if you go back 25 years earlier or even less than that, there's lots of people who never explore their sexuality because being gay isn't an option to them. And so, yeah, we do progress, but you don't tear down the truths that stood in people's way uh, years ago, and you don't call them weak for it either. Yeah. You call yourself fortunate for having a, riding a different tide today. You can't lose your empathy for these past experiences because they were real. And if you yeah. were back in the 80s, maybe you would do the same. You probably would.
1: It's, it's refreshing to hear things, uh, whether someone's older or not, in which they say stuff, assuming it's true, and I'm sure it is for Maria, uh, that isn't necessarily popular. Yeah. Too bad. It's not your story. We need conflict. It matters in a story. It's vital in a story. We have Maria's as a good example of how to use it in a story, right? If you go back, and I do encourage people who have been listening to this podcast, or maybe this is your first time listening, go back to the stories that we featured. Julie, Andrew, Kurtz, Laura's, Sarah's, Don's, and and Maria's. There's conflict in all of them. And every story we'll have on here will have conflict. Again, not an accident. It's because it's one of the things you need and it makes stories better.
2: If you don't have conflict... You don't have any story.
0: So thinking of conflict in this story, of course, there's the conflict I had at 33 years old. I was... In a relationship with a woman, it was 1988. Women weren't really adopting babies at that time. They were using other methods, artificial insemination and other methods. And I all of a sudden realized my clock is ticking. I'm living with a woman. Do I want to have a baby? And, and if I do, how am I going to have that baby? And those, those methods, they didn't sit right with me. I've been writing a lot of stories about the past, and I'm trying to write stories about the present and find out who am I as a storyteller talking about me autobiographically in the present at 65 years old. Seeing that label, Solo Ager, it it did kind of trigger me and it kind of made me think back how I'm living the life that I'm living, how many of my decisions were conscious, and, and do I have any conflict with those decisions that I've made or am I at peace with them? And I think that if we can go back and and see some of our decisions and see how they've affected our life now in the present time and we feel great with that and there's no conflict, I think that's a beautiful thing. So solo ager, I realize I'm I'm really not solo. I mean, first of all, I have my own spiritual beliefs. But second of all, I have significant others in my friendships, very close friendships, deep friendships. They're my significant others right now. Maybe I'll get another one significant other one person to live with? Maybe not, but I'm really okay with it either way. And that's a beautiful thing.